Today's School PR Drive Time is brought to you by Rhodes Branding. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA. I'm Stacia Harris, a member of the NCSPRA media team, and I'm the director of communications for Buncombe County Schools. In today's episode, we're tackling the topic of earning a seat at the leadership table within your organization. Whether you're the communications director or a valued member of the comms team, are you all part of high-level decision-making, and are you in a position to provide your unique PR and stakeholder engagement perspective when high-level conversations are happening. Joining us today is Cindy Warner, APR, NSPRA's Southeast Region Vice President, and Shayla Kennedy, fellow NCSPRA board member and Chief Communications Officer for Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools. We have lots to share today. Let's start the show. Welcome, Cindy and Shayla. To kick off our conversation, please share a little bit about your professional background. Thank you. So my name is Cindy Warner, APR, and I am the Public Relations and Community Education Supervisor for the Shelby County School District in um, Alabama. We are a suburban school district just south of Birmingham. I have been in my role for 22 years now, so I um, consider myself to be an old season veteran at this point and um, did get my APR in 2015. So I will talk a little bit about that in just a little bit. All right. And I'm Shayla Kennedy, Chief Communications Officer at Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been with Charlotte for about a year and two months, not keeping count, but (laughs) that's about how long I've been there. Prior to this role, I served as the Assistant Director of Public Relations for Orange County Public Schools in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Charlotte-Mecklenburg is home to about 141,000 students across 184 schools. We have about 20,000 employees, and uh, similar to... um, To Cindy, I oversee the strategic approach, uh, crisis communications, media relations, PR, and all the things related to communications for our district. Excellent. Well, thank you again uh, for being with us today. So let's dive right in. So as school PR professionals, much of our work happens in a realm that's not necessarily familiar to educators. Sure, as a member of the communications team, we're invited to take photos at events and tell great stories and plan events and, and all of those tasks. And while these are fulfilling and they're really fun aspects of our jobs, these tend to feel more like tactics. And so there really are amazing opportunities for school PR practitioners to participate in high strategic work that can dramatically benefit an organization. And so that's what we are going to unpack today. So let's start with our first question. How can school PR practitioners effectively communicate their strategic value to colleagues and leaders who may have a limited understanding of their role beyond the traditional comms team role that exists in a lot of school systems? So Shayla, for me, I would say that earning my APR was a huge step forward in that particular area. Um, I don't know that I really felt completely confident in my abilities as a leader prior to going through that particular process. Um, And so, you know, it did change the way that I approach my work. It changed the way that, um, you know, I would say it did take me from being more of a tactician to more of a, you know, strategic practitioner. 
Um, and then also I would say that it elevated my status among my peers. You know, I, I happened to wear my APR badge, a uh, pin on my badge. Um, and so a lot of times people will will ask me, you know, well, what what is that? And I'm able to sort of equate that to um, a teacher, for instance, who's gone through the national board process. And so, you know, that automatically sort of garners a little respect for what we do um, when they know, you know, oh, well, wow, that must have been, you know, an arduous process. Um, I would say the same thing for graduate level, you know, work, you know, Dacia, you have, you know, doctor in front of your name now. And so, um, Shayla, I know that you've also done a good bit of graduate level work. And so I would just say that, you know, to effectively become a true strategic um, practitioner, that you you have to know what you're doing, first of all, you know, and the only way to to really, you know, kind of delve in and, and learn about, you know, those types of things is to, to be a lifelong learner and, you know, to really, you know, put forth the effort into constantly learning and constantly honing your craft so that you, you do, you know, you do sound like you know what you're talking about when you're trying to give strategic advice or be, you know, that type of practitioner. And so for me, you know, I, I did not feel that I really, you know, felt confident in my abilities, not only within my own role as a district, but even in, in being a leader in the profession and, you know, rising up to being a leader in my chapter and now serving as the Southeast region vice president for, um, for INSPRA, I, you know, personally don't know that I would have felt confident in, in doing that type of leadership role had I not been more confident in my skills and my abilities. Awesome. Um, I think uh, it's interesting to hear Cindy, Cindy talking about the APR um, in my previous school district. Um, the APR is not valued or understood by our leadership. So when you talk about it, they couldn't connect it. Um, they couldn't connect the value. So um, I, similar to, to Stasia, I'm currently in my doctoral program now. And um, while the APR is unfamiliar to many, especially those that are typically around that cabinet table, um, I do recognize that in education, PhD holds weight. Um, so that's why I took that approach. I did um, do my master's level programming. The other thing that I found that really helped to communicate value, uh, whether it was strategically or just comms in general for school districts is really involvement and recognition on the on regional and national levels. I think when they started seeing, um, it's sad that when they say you, you kind of have to get the praise from outside for them to realize like, oh, she actually knows what she's doing. We should probably listen to her. Um, mm -hmm. I found that that opened more doors and gave me more room to run um, than me coming in as an entry level uh, employee. So when I was in Orlando, I did. I came in at the lowest level and worked my way up to the assistant director before I came here. And granted, a lot of it was my performance gave me that leverage, but then also seeing the leadership and, and the the consulting and, and and support that it gave other districts, that helped as well. So I think mm -hmm. there's, there's importance in leveraging and pushing the need for leadership outside of your school districts. I think that will also help in, in bringing, adding value to that. Right. And, and just kind of going back real quickly, you know, one thing that I'd like to to say is regardless of whether or not you've you've got the the numbers before or after your your name, you know, whether it's it's MA, you know, EDS, APR, regardless, 
there's there's a lot to be said for what you learn in going through that as a lifelong learner. And so, you know, that is, I guess, what I'm what I was also trying to convey too is that as you, you know, really, you know, put your efforts toward trying to become better at your craft, you know, whatever that is, you know, you're automatically, regardless of which letters you have, you know, before or after your name, it's going to show in, you know, your confidence, your confidence in knowing that as you've gone through, you know, and you've, you've really applied yourself and, and learning everything you can as, you know, a practitioner, then that's, that's just going to give, give you more confidence too, as, as being an effective leader. Excellent. And you all started touching on this, you know, being a lifelong learner and making sure you're part of organizations that recognize this type of very unique work that, again, happens in a realm that not everyone is as familiar with. Uh, From both of you, what are some other practical strategies that PR practitioners can use to demonstrate that expertise, expertise and really position themselves as a valuable contributor at the leadership table? Um, I think we undervalue um, the act of asking questions. Um, I think sometimes we come in, um, we we kind of joke about it in our department. I'm like, we're not a drive-through, right? So you don't come up and say, hey, can I have a social media post? Like, no, this is not your, like only in a drive-through can they refuse to give you what you order. I think that in, in comms, we kind of, we naturally take the listener position. And I think the more inquisitive you you are, when we talk about being practical, like ask questions, what is the goal you're trying to achieve? Like the one thing I say, what's your goal and how are you measuring success? Even if you don't, you're not able to do a full comms plan, those two questions, if it doesn't cause pause in the, the departments you're working with or some, there's a bigger question. And so I think, you know, we, we can't go in as wallflowers if you're really trying to to leverage and and, and claim your, your stake in the ground. Like, hey, no, comms needs to be at the table. You need to hear what we're saying. And then I always couch my advisement uh, like, hey, I'm not responsible for advice, not heated. Right. Told you that this is what we should be doing. You're going to do whatever you want. Right. But based on what you say your goals are and how you're measuring, this is our recommendation. So I think. Um, simply asking questions is a is a really first a good first step to to getting to that space i agree and you know shayla's right that not every single thing is going to necessarily require a comms plan but i i do agree that everything probably does at least deserve the question of you know the the research part of you know why are we doing this and setting those goals and then evaluating it, you know, so, you know, knowing where, where you're going with a particular project and then hopefully, you know, being able to show, did you make, move the needle? Because um, otherwise it is just a bunch of tactical work that you're doing, you know, and, and doing all the things, but not necessarily being able to show that it, it hit the mark or that you were able to, to have any kind of, of effort. Um, I do say think though that if it is a bigger project, that one way to be able to show that you are being strategic in your work is to do a comms plan. <laughs> you know, it does show that you, you know, that you know, you know, how to put together a plan to where you are putting forth all of the the aspects of research and planning and implementation and evaluation um, to show that that again, what you were doing was not just for the sake of doing it, but to 
you know, to demonstrate that you did it in order to have some kind of lasting impact, have have an outcome as as a result of of what you were being asked to do. Yeah, you definitely don't want to get stuck on a hamster wheel where you're doing things for the sake of doing the things. You, you've Correct. got to kind of communicate why the thing matters and how that aligns with organizational goals for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the just perception of the roles and responsibilities of school PR practitioners. How can we help shape that amongst our colleagues and, and other stakeholders? The perception thing is hard. You know, it's uh I think we all, you know, internally we joke, uh, we're the party planners, we make mm-hmm. things look and sound pretty, mm-hmm. we're the spin doctors, we clean up. But there's a strategy, there's rules behind the work that we do. And I think contrary to what people believe, we're not just taking things and throwing it at the wall to see what sticks. Like there's brain power that's used. Like I, I bet you all three of us have a day where we're like, I can't even think about eating. <laughs> I can't think about what's next. Like I can literally only focus because the amount of effort that we put in, mm-hmm. I don't think people realize what goes into it. Um, I think when we talk about perception and reality, I think it can't be done just by talking. I think we have to, you talked about the comms plan, Cindy. We also have to report out what we do. A lot of times we'll do the comms plan, but we like we know to evaluate, but we don't take the time to do it and share it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our dear friend, uh, Nora Carr, I'll never forget her telling me PR for PR. If you don't tell them what you're doing, nobody knows you're doing it. And so even if it's not a monthly or weekly or you've got to build in some time just to showcase and highlight, this is what we were able to produce. Um, It can be as simple as putting metrics on a link. How many people clicked it versus how many people completed a survey? What were the strategies and tactics that you used? Was it time? One thing we did simply, uh, you know, we have our, our mass communication messaging, for example. Oh, well, parents are complaining about not receiving this. Have you tried sending out a text message? Send a text message and then put a trackable link. And when I tell you it was night and day. And so now they're like, oh my gosh, we got the highest number. Like it was a simple tactic, but I had to think about it and hear what the problems were so we can explore other options. So I think we have to do a better job. Like research, Mm -hmm. we look at RPI, right? We spend the least amount of time because of what we do in research and evaluation, unless we're applying for an award. Apply for the award all year. Don't wait to the award season Mm -hmm. to put those things together. And I think in doing so, and sharing Mm -hmm. that with leadership, sharing it in cabinet, heck, sharing it with board members, that Mm -hmm. will help really help people see. One other thing, and then I'll, uh, you know, I want Cindy definitely to hop in here. I love familiarization tours. We always think about it from like, bring families into school. No, bring your colleagues into your space. Hey, why don't you come work up in comms this week? So you Mm -hmm. can see the chaos. So you can see (laughs) how I have to take three calls at one time. Like, hold on, let me take, I think that there is some value. We do open houses. Um, We Mm -hmm. did it first with our media. But, you know, we purposely try to bring people up to our suite so they can see exactly what happens day in and day out. And I think that's helped as well. And and I'll just uh, quickly, I, I ditto everything Shayla just said. And I will say that I feel like if there was one good thing, you know, that happened during the pandemic, it was that it did shed a new light on what we do in the communications field and how important our roles are, because I think one of the things that, you know, school leaders learned really quickly was how much communication had to take place and in all the different new ways that it 
that it had to be communicated when we just had to, to quickly shift gears and do school in a whole different new way. So I would say build on, especially those of you that, that were able to help walk your districts through um, the chaos that was the pandemic. You know, I know that that I suddenly sounded very, very, very smart to a lot of mm-hmm. people in those rooms um, that probably did not take my, my advice to heart before that. But but, you know, now look at me finally in a different light. And it only took, you know, 20 something years in a pandemic <laughs> for it to happen. But um, better late you know, than never. Say, yeah. So I would say build on, you know, the 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 fact that that I feel like. And I, I really do feel like that's that's why we have new people and new roles that have been created um, is that a lot of districts really did realize how important the role is when the, the rubber met the road, you know, when when the pandemic occurred. And so I would say build on that and build on every opportunity that you have, whether you are, you know, on your district's leadership cabinet or not. I'm not on senior leadership cabinet on my district. That that's only you know district level assistant superintendents and above. Um, and so, but you know, I am on you know, I am on more of a, a lower level cabinet, if you will. That's not just assistant superintendents. Um, and I am you know often called in to you know to to meetings. And I would say just take every advantage that you can when you do have a seat at whatever table it is at whatever meeting that it is um you know to really just just shine and sound smart <laughs> absolutely and i think to kind of having uh, some time each week to record your own successes and opportunities and and i love the idea of giving a board presentation i know a, a colleague of mine she had an opportunity to do that and really spell out to her school board here's who i am here's what i do and to give really a nice behind the scenes look of all the work that goes into making an event amazing, making a website effective and beautiful, making a social media post an effective tool to communicate. So there's lots of different tactics in that. And it, you really do have to kind of get in the habit of doing it. And and I would say, don't even ask your superintendent if he wants, if he or she wants it, you just need to give it to him and, and really, really drive home that narrative that, you know, here's who I am, here's what I offer. Mm-hmm. And this uh, leads into uh, our our next question before we head into a break. Let's talk just very briefly as school PR folks, how can we align what we do with the larger goals of of the organization? How do we align the work we do to the organization? I think... um... Well, I think we we have to spend some time making sure we understand it. Uh, sometimes I feel like the the odd man out in cabinet meetings because everything's academic. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like I'm here so I don't get fined. I have no idea what we're talking about. You said a whole bunch of acronyms that mean absolutely nothing. But one of the things that uh, I have one-on-ones with my superintendent every week. And one of the things that um, we talk about is like, what does this mean in plain language? Like really give me an understanding because if I can't explain it, then if I can't understand it, I can't explain it. Um, And what we've done, um, we've worked really hard to simplify our strategic plan, even if that's not how it's written publicly, our understanding is simple. And so then what I do is I take that and bring it back to my comms team and I say, "Uh, hey, we want to go run this. We want to do this social media post. Well, what pillar does that align to? Oh, well, we just thought, what pillar does it align to? Is it academic? Is it like if it doesn't align to 
one of the strategic goals. And again, I'm not talking about the increasing math, the decreasing the gap. That's not the goal I'm talking about. Or our core focuses. We're talking about people excellence and academic excellence. Which one of those pillars does this effort align to and how will it showcase? And from there, how are we measuring? Like, what do we want people to do as a result? What we have found, and it has not, it's not, um, it's not embraced with open arms, right? When you are a team that has historically been just a production house, when you tell people to slow down in comms, we're like, well, no, we got to get it done. But our teams are historically small. We we do not have the capacity to maintain, like it's not sustainable, it's not efficient. Uh, you talk about work-life balance, it's non-existent if we're just doing it things arbitrarily. So I think it's taking time. If it's not your superintendent, who is the person closest to the work of the strategic plan and bring them into your comms team so they understand it. And then from there, as you're developing, what are we doing? What are we covering? What are we pitching and promoting? If it doesn't align, you got to throw it out. And I think that's where we misstep a lot. We're just like, oh, push positive news. But you're pushing a, a hundred stories, but the things that your superintendent or your leadership care about is four. So why don't we try to strategically find 15 more stories that align to the four and push that out? And we've done, um, you know, when I look at our back to school coverage this year, from last year to this year, it's night and day. And when I tell you it was strategy, what are we trying to push? What are we, does this align to people? Is it showing excellence in our mm-hmm. people? Awesome. Is it showing excellence in operation? After as long as it does that, we can make it happen. And then really taking the time to understand the difference between quality over quantity. A lot of people outside of comp thinks, oh, you didn't post 15 times today. That's because people don't want to hear from us 15 times today. Being strategic, even in our distribution method, I think has been extremely helpful. And it's something that we have to be more intentional about doing. And I agree with that. And I would say too, you know, if if you do not have a comms plan that is is for your district strategic plan you should have one so like my district is in the process of rolling out a new strategic plan we have had the same strategic plan for 12 years because my previous superintendent that's how long he served was 12 years and so my new superintendent um you know wanted to roll out his his own strategic plan And so, you know, we are in the process of developing or have developed our communication plan that now aligns with the the district strategic plan. And so one thing is, you know, our strategic areas that that he wants to really focus on are innovation, leadership development, recruitment and retention, community partnerships and organizational development. And so our organizational commitment, excuse me. So one thing is that like Shayla was saying, how are you then communicating um, things that line up with those strategic areas or pillars as, as Shayla's you know, district calls them? So for instance, with innovation, you know, like a lot of our posts here lately, um, a lot of the things that we've been communicating is how, how are we being innovative as a district? You know, yesterday we had our, you know, student leadership development conference and we have, you know, teacher leadership to conferences. So, you know, think about ways that you can strategically communicate the things that are part of your strategic plan. Um, And, you know, then you be strategic in developing a, a communication plan that mirrors your strategic plan as a district. Excellent. 
Wonderful thoughts and our conversation is just getting started. After the break, we'll tackle the topic of advocating for yourself, your department, and your skills. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. Roads Branding was born out of a belief that every student should be proud of where they go to school. When you partner with us, that original belief and vision is kept at the forefront of our work together. First, we dive deep into who you are, who your audience is, what experience you want people to have, and why people should care about your brand. Then we bring your brand to life to give your students the best possible experience. We've been lucky enough to impact thousands of students and educators through our work. If you're ready for a bold transformation, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. Shayla Kennedy and Cindy Warner are helping us unpack this concept of earning a seat at the table as school PR practitioners. How can we position ourselves to really show our organization all the wonderful skills that we can offer in order to move those organizational goals forward? So let's start with what are some effective ways for school PR practitioners to advocate for themselves and their profession, ensuring that their colleagues and their superiors recognize the depth of their expertise and the value that they bring to the table every day? So I'll, I'll touch on this one for just a second. Um, first of all, I think it is important to advocate for yourself for, for professional development, for one thing. Um, you know, we are, you know, a lot of times the only ones within our entire district or, or maybe we have a small staff and, you know, teachers and administrators are constantly going through professional development in order to better themselves. And so I would say that that your superintendent, your your immediate you know, supervisor, they need to understand that a lot of times we don't have any way of getting that professional development internally um, the same way that that they do. And so a lot of times we have to turn to external methods by attending, you know, our state um, SPRA conferences, attending the National SPRA seminar, you know, listening to these podcasts or, you know, taking advantage of resources that are available to us through NSPRA. And so, you know, as you're advocating for that, you know, it's important as you're going through your budget processes, for instance, for you to really try to make sure that they understand how important some of that professional development is. And that even though it can be somewhat expensive, it, it may or may not be the only thing available to you because you're kind of in, in a niche little, you know, environment within what, what you're doing. Um I would say also advocate for the fact that you want to be a leader. You know, um, the three of us have all served at state and national levels with our um, with our local, you know, um, chapters. And, you know, one thing that I, I talked to my superintendent about was how important it was for me that I wanted to be seen as a leader and not just because I wanted to be like, oh, look at me and how important I am, but I generally, um, genuinely want to give back now um, to the profession that a lot of other people invested in me. Shayla, you just mentioned um, our dear, dear Nora Carr. Nora was a mentor to so many people 
not only within the state of North Carolina, but all over the country, including myself. Um, I can, you know, considered Nora to be a mentor and um, I have had so many others that have invested in me throughout the years and I'm now trying to give back in that same kind of way. Um, and so my leadership is is not about me. It's about what I can do to invest in others. And so, you know, to me, that just makes you a better leader. It makes you a better person. <laughs> it makes you a better practitioner when you are able to, you know, invest in others. And, um, you know, and I just really do feel like a lot of times you just have to advocate for that. And so when I wanted to, you know, serve at the state level, I made sure that my superintendent understood that that might, you know, cause me to have to be away from my job responsibilities. Um, and certainly that has been the case with my role as the Southeast Region Vice President. Um, I am called upon now to occasionally travel and come visit you guys in, in the, you know, other states. I'm looking forward to being with um, with you guys at the joint North Carolina South Carolina conference that's coming up, I, I've been invited to to speak in the in Georgia, and also for Sunspray in Florida. And so, you know, my superintendent understands that um, that means that you know I have to be away from my own job responsibilities in order to do that. Um, but you know, he he appreciates the fact that I want to not only be a leader in my district, but a leader in the profession itself. And so, you know, I think that that just takes some conversations sometimes that have to happen, but um, hopefully you've got good enough relationships that you're establishing with the people within your district to, to where they will support you in those endeavors. Excellent. And I wanted to get nerdy with my next question a little bit. I want to talk about how important it is to, rec I guess, recognize how data and analytics can help tell the story of your effectiveness and tell the story of, you know, is is what you are doing and, and, and the strategies that you're executing, are they really moving the organization forward? So talk to me a little bit about how we can leverage these tools and perhaps um and perhaps we're not very um familiar with them um certainly you know we're not in sales we're not salespeople we don't necessarily have access to those same types of tools that quote traditional businesses have so talk talk to me a little bit about uh data and analytics and perhaps how you use them and how we can use them um i think you know Data and analytics is good, but I think before you can really identify what tools and are best for you is really understanding how your leadership or whoever's measuring your performance, what they are seeking to like, what their understanding is. Oftentimes, you know, we're like, oh, we want to see impressions and CPM. They don't care about that. Like that, that's too much for them to understand. And sometimes, um, you know, there are some tools that are more robust um, that that come with a cost, but there are a lot of low hanging fruit tools that will really help. Sometimes it's just quantifying the, your workload like that's underestimated. How many media inquiries are you getting in? How many pitches are you pushing out? How many are getting placed? Yeah, you know, you can pay for a service, but if you don't have the budget for it, track it on the spreadsheet. You know, I, I think sometimes we we may get shell shocked by certain tools that we know will do things quicker and more efficiently, but there are easier ways to do it. Um, one thing we have done a lot, um, and I think it's one of the best investments we did, was a project management tool. Um, I don't think leadership understands how much work we actually do day in and day out. And sometimes we we can't quantify because one, you can't remember. You're moving a million miles a minute. You can't remember half of the things that you actually worked on. 
but developing intake systems and ticketing systems like, oh, we need a speech request, put it through the system. We need a graphics request. Here's the request. So when it's time at the end of the year or mid-year, how many projects are we rolling out? Because that helps you with making the case for more, more staff, um, expanding roles, increasing salaries. Um, when it comes to the data as far as effectiveness of campaigns and, and changing perceptions and behaviors, you know, there's um, website traffic. Um, is it clicks to a website or to a form? You've got thing, vanity URLs, use those. Um, you know, uh, again, I think th there's a million things out there, right? We, we can list every, this is what I use for coverages. This is what I use to track uh, pickup. But if you don't understand what they what they see as successful, you're just it, it's going to be a revolving door. You're wondering why you're not satisfying them, or they don't feel like you're doing enough, or they they're always asking for more. If you know what they're what they're looking for, and you align yourself, of course, to your strategic plan, but also to what they want, you'll save yourself a lot of headache when it comes mm -hmm. to data. And and I'll just say too that you know Shayla mentioned the. The changing the behaviors and 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 those types of things, you know that that is what we typically refer to as the difference between just output measurements and outcome measurements. Um, and you know the tracking of of a lot of our analytics, for instance, you know a lot of times that's tracking our outputs and that's tracking the work and the the things that we're being asked to do. I think the real value in being able to, to show, you know, sometimes and demonstrate the strategic impact of our work can, can really be seen more so in those outcome measurements. You know, for instance, like, you know, how much did we play um, in helping to get that big bond referendum passed, for instance? Um, you know, did, did, did you pass it? Did you not pass it? You know, what, where did you fall short? You know, so, um, and I'll give an example, you know, right now I know that we're all probably struggling with attendance in our in our school district. It seems like the one of the downfalls of the pandemic, you know, I talked about a plus side of the pandemic, but a downside to the pandemic, I think, is that everybody has forgotten the, how to do school to some extent. And some people have forgotten that it's important to even send your kids to school. Um, and so, you know, we have been for the past two years really trying to get our attendance back up to to where it was pre-pandemic level. And so, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about doing the research on the front end to see, you know, well, where were we prior to the pandemic? You know, how many, what was our attendance like then? And what is it like now? And where do we need it to get back to? And so, you know, being able to show, did we have an impact, you know, in, in all of the different ways that we've been able to communicate now, attendance is one of those things that I feel like is multifaceted and um, there's lots of different layers and, and reasons why kids don't attend school. You've got, you know, poverty and, and, you know, all types of things that play into that. And so, you know, I don't think that we can necessarily solely move the needle on a topic like, you know, as deep and complex as that. Um but were we successful in moving the needle at all? Mm -hmm. um, and I'll tell you, last year we did a big attendance campaign and we didn't move the needle at mm -hmm. all. Um, and so, you know, that was a little disappointing, but that was important to see. Mm -hmm. You know, what that showed was, you know, some slick 
social media campaign is not going to necessarily be all that we do or all that we need to do to be able to to tackle a complex you know topic and and you know um, you know situation like chronic you know absenteeism and so you know that was important for me to be able to go back and say you know look I wanted us to do all this work you know on videos and and a slick you know attendance campaign but that is not a, a topic or a problem a chronic problem that can necessarily be solved with a social media campaign we can help but it can't necessarily be what solves the problem and so to me that is where data mm-hmm. research evaluation really comes into place and being able to say we can do our part but we can't necessarily be the solution <laughs> you know to to a problem that's as complex as that if, if that makes sense so that that would be a, a an example that i can give where you know i felt like you know okay well we didn't we didn't move the needle mm-hmm. but was that necessarily our fault you know, in the comms department, was that necessarily our fault that we, you know, didn't necessarily move the needle? Or is this a much more complex problem that has to be, have a multifaceted approach to fix it? Excellent. So as we're wrapping up our conversation, let's do one quick rapid fire. The final question, list uh, just one or two skills and competencies that you feel like school PR folks should focus on uh, to, again, earn that seat at the table and demonstrate their value. Mm. <laughs> you know, again, I'm just going to say that I feel like we have to be lifelong learners. There is so much that is coming, you know, like technology is changing at such a rapid pace. And, um, you know, I feel like we just we constantly have to be learning um, a, a lot of this new technology that's coming our way. We have to embrace some of it. You know, for instance, you know, chat GPT, I know those were some of the most, you know, wildly popular sessions at the Innsbruck Conference with everybody trying to go find out, you know, is chat GPT going to cause me to lose my job or, you know, well, not necessarily, but learn to use it, you know, learn to use it to your advantage. So, you know, that that would be something that I would just say is we constantly need to be learning this new technology that's coming our way. Shayla, talk to me a little bit about some of the competencies that you feel are important. I think we've got to get back to the core of the soft skills. Um, when you think about what we do, public relations, media relations, community relations, it's all about relationships. Um, and a lot of the things that we do, some of us, you know, I, I'm the unicorn. So I did design. I you know, was on air and things like that. I was, you know, executive speech writing. So I'm not your traditional comms person. And so I'm a bit, you know, especially when we talk about graphic designers, we get a, a, a rap of being kind of like introverted and really don't want to be around people. Um, but I, I think that one of the things that really, really helped, especially when you're trying to, to make quick wins, we got to take time to build relationships. Um, I remember when I was in Orange County, it was a hard, it was a hard push to find me at my desk. It wasn't because I wasn't working. It was because I was spending time with other departments and other um, chiefs and other organiz- other parts of the organization. So that one, not only was I in the know, but I was building a level of rapport and trust. So that in those cases, when we were talking about earlier, like, hey, I need you to take take my advice. Like, tell do what I'm asked, telling you to do. It really, really helped. And I, I, I think that we just, we don't put enough value in the 
the soft skills. I, you know, we can blame COVID. Yes. Uh, COVID, COVID taught everybody how to be an introvert. But, you know, we learn how to play by ourselves. And when it was time for us to come back, and I see a lot of people that are struggling now being back in the office, you've gotten used to the isolation and we got to break out that. Cindy talked about COVID did help us with as far as gaining trust because they realized. But I think if we take some more intentional time, take somebody out to lunch, uh, like spend some time. Hey, what's going on in your area? That will pay off in the long run. I 100% agree with everything Shayla just said. You know, I, I cannot stress the importance of, of relationship building, not only, you know, internally with with our, our various you know departments, but externally, too with, you know, community leaders and, and you know, media representatives and um, other, you know, PIOs even from other, you know, organizations. I feel like that is also really, really important for crisis communications. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need to know who some of these other PIOs are, you know, from the fire department and the police department and all of the other various, and y'all need to, to mm-hmm. meet and, and talk mm-hmm. and train together. And, you know, so I, I'm the same way. I, I'm not always in my office sitting at my computer designing the, you know, lovely little brochure or whatever. You know, I am very often out, you know, in meetings and um, not only internal meetings, you know, with, with things going on in my district, but really out there building relationships out in the community. Um, so everything Shayla just said, I 100% agree with. Excellent. And on that note, we'll leave the conversation there. Shayla Kennedy, fellow NCSPA board member and chief communications officer for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools and Cindy Warner, APR and SPRA's Southeast Region Vice President. Thank you both for your time today. Thank you for having us, Stacia. Thank you. And thank you for being a part of this engaging and enlightening conversation. Please take a moment to rate this podcast with five stars, and please take a moment to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends. This helps us make sure School PR Drive Time remains a relevant and helpful tool for school PR practitioners everywhere. Thanks to Rhodes Branding for their support of this episode of School PR Drive Time.